Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Gail and I are excited to be back, excited for the fresh start, the fresh reading start of 2021. I have to say that the beginning of 2021 has been a little bit rocky uh, so far, but it's been a fresh reading year, so I've read more. And today, Gail and I are going to be discussing how we ended up our years. I'm going to talk about the book that I read to finish 2020 and the book that I started, I'm starting 2021 with. And then we're going to get to some of our reading resolutions and things like that. So Gail, welcome to the 21 Readerly Report. Thank you. Welcome back to you and welcome to all of our listeners. Um, We hope that you had a good, restful break, healthy break, safe break. Um, Yes, 2021, despite all of our hopes and wishes, has not started out with the... I don't know, optimism and positivity that I think we all kind of wanted it to, but I'm in my mind, maybe 2021 starts on January 21. That's kind of how I'm looking at it. Well, it's just a little bit of rocky, a little bit of growing pains, you know, hopefully um, things will just be better on all fronts in terms of the virus and vaccines and uh, improved mental, mental space. Yeah. I think the lack of tweeting has helped me because I feel like I don't wake up every morning and I don't know, there was always this just kind of waking up every morning to wonder what had been tweeted and what was going on because of that. I will say this is, uh, I live in Washington, DC and it's a weird place to be right now. It's, um, completely, if you go downtown, it's, um, a lot of streets are shut off. There's police everywhere. I was talking to someone I work with who lives closer to the Capitol and she said, no, nah, everything seems fine. I mean, there was a tank rolling by earlier, but otherwise <laughs> everything's good. And I'm like, no. A tank? Like this is Washington DC. Like this is, you know, land of the free, nation's capital. Uh, it just, it's, it's surreal sometimes to think about what happened in the city, of, you know, two weeks ago. And Ah, it's crazy. So I, I just hope we make it through this week, just to date stamp, we're recording right before the inauguration. So I hope we make it through this week peacefully. And, um, you know, hopefully things will resume to some kind of normalcy in the world <laughs> starting next week. So, but happy 2021 to everyone and to you. Hopefully we won't have to asterisk this yeah, one. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So how did you end your tale? Like what were your stats? What did you read? What was yeah. it? You know, what were those books that you snuck in? Great question. Um, so I followed Nicole's lead last year for the first time I kept a spreadsheet, which I did I don't know what took me, you know, fourteen no, what are we now? Fourteen years of blogging to get me to start a spreadsheet that would keep track of the books and all of the stats, but it made life much easier. So I appreciate that. And it came time to looking back on the year. So, uh, I read 66 books last year. I think that's the most I've ever read, which is good for me. Um, I had 25% nonfiction and 75% fiction also for me is uh, that's an increase in nonfiction seems to be working for me this year and it worked for me last year. Um, 
Only 11 male authors compared to 54 female authors. And one was a collection of multiple authors. I did a third of my books in audio. And my average rating last year was 3.75, which for me means that that there were still a fair number of books I didn't love that I read last year. So even though I keep saying every year, my goal is to only read books that I, you know, come highly recommended and that I really want to read. It still happens that I read books that either weren't, you know, I read them maybe for other reasons other than that they just, you know, everyone else said they were amazing. So they missed their mark somehow. Yeah. Or, or they just disappointed me. Maybe they were very well reviewed and I just didn't love them. So for me, a a four star read is a book I really enjoyed. And a three star read is usually a sign that I had trouble getting through it or I didn't like the writing. Like a three is, for me, a three is pretty low, I would say. And a five is like super, you know, it's pretty rare. I would say of the books I read, maybe out of 66 books, maybe there were five or six five star reads. Um, one of my resolutions is to read more authors of color. Um, I only had 14% authors of color last year, and those were more concentrated in the second half of the year, but I, that's definitely something that I want to work on. So that's that I'm not crazy about, but for the rest of them, I think the stats were pretty good. Um, we can talk about our reading resolutions later in the show, but, um, yeah. That's it. And and you and I did a superlative show. So that I think we've covered which of those books I really liked. But uh, yeah, that was, I would say, it, given all the distractions and the disruptions to life and the new weird patterns we found ourselves in and working from home and all of that, I still am pretty satisfied with, you know, how many I was able to read and uh, mostly on the quality of the books I read. So how about you? So <laughs> this is so funny. It's always funny because I got you into doing the spreadsheet. I neglected my spreadsheet last year. I have about 30 books on my spreadsheet. And I think I read, I think I managed to read, oh, we might have read something like the same amount of books. I think that I was maybe going to go for 60, but then at the end of the year, just Netflixed and chilled. <laughs> uh-huh. So I think I read like 55 or 56 books. So even though these numbers are incomplete, it says I read 71% were fiction, 28% were nonfiction. Those will probably skew higher to, I would probably say it's 80, 20 by the time I put in the, you know, if I'd done the rest of my books. Uh, I listened to 25% of those books on audio and only 3.4% were, digi- were digital. Uh, 72% were in print. I think I read one YA book. It says I read 3.6% YA. Mm-hmm. And I can't even remember what that was. In terms of form, narrative versus essay collections, I think I read one essay collection. It says 40% of the books I read were literary fiction, there, there's like one business self-help book on here that's like 4.3%. Um, mystery and Crime was 174 4.3% was Fantasy, which I think is probably the V. Schwab book. Uh-huh. Um, Addie LaRue. Yep. It says I read one horror. I'm pretty sure that was The Return. 
general nonfiction was 4.3%, but memoirs and bios was 17%. So most of the books that I read were backlist books. Hmm. It's interesting. Our stats are actually pretty similar. I mean, I guess it's surprising. We have a lot of similar tastes, but just even the breakdowns, audio, nonfiction, they're pretty close. I didn't, um, I didn't break down the subgenres that much, but I did have a lot of memoirs and I had a lot of literary fiction too. Uh, I read 42% by that were, would be in the BIPOC author category, 57.1% white authors. Um, books with queer protagonists, it said I read 10%. Even though I'm always not sure how to do that. I feel like I read more books that had queer characters, but maybe they weren't necessarily the main character. Or if there were multiple main characters, I go with the main, main character. Mm-hmm. So own, own Voices was pretty much the same, 40, 40% Own Voices, 60% non. Uh, it says I read zero books in translation, but I think that's not true. I think it was just something that I had not noted. Can you clarify for me? Okay, so BIPOC just means the author is of color, but own voices means that the character is being written by someone who is... Who identifies with whatever it is. Okay, and that doesn't have to be... Like, I guess queer would be different than BIPOC. Like, you can be white and queer, and that would be an own voices book as opposed to... Okay, I think that's it's a little bit more inclusive. And own voices is only only relates to fiction, of course, right? Because, or would you put a memoir in an own voice? No, I well, I would think that theoretically memoirs have to be own voice because you're, you usually wouldn't write a memoir from anyone else's perspective, right? I guess I just wonder, like, when people are doing own voices stats, do they usually include nonfiction too? Even though, I don't know, I think own voices too. I think that this is something that is evolving. I would say own voices would be, um, yeah, as I think about it, I don't even know if you would include queer. I think that you do, but that's something that I would have to look up and we would have to bring back next time because now I am really curious about some of those distinctions. And if an author, if if a straight author writes a book with a strong character, not necessarily a lead character, maybe not the main character, but a lead character who is non-straight, that's then that's not own voices or BIPOC. Okay. See, that's where I get into a gray area too when they talk about is this like is are there queer characters in this book or whatever? If it's not the main character, I will usually say no, but sometimes a lead character is. So I, I think that's a distinction you have to make for yourself too. Like, am I going to include this lead character as making this kind of a diverse book? Like if there's three or four main characters or three or four lead characters, but one main character, how would you classify that? So I think that when you set up these things that you really do have to look, determine you can check what uh, you know check what i guess the definitions are but it's kind of determining how am i going to make these determinations like if they're a lead character but not a main character am i saying that this was like 
a diverse book or if it's a white author, but there are people of color lead characters, am I saying that that it would be a POC book, but it wouldn't be own voices? (laughs) Got it. So, but it definitely makes you think about what it is that you're, you know, what it is that you're consuming, but also you can also do it by picking your books. And usually when I go to put the book in the spreadsheet, it is, it's after the fact. So it's not like I'm picking according to these characters or these, these books. I'm just, especially for the first two years, it's just kind of good to see what your natural tendencies are. Minds tend to say the same, like, you know, whatever it is with male authors, <laughs> it usually is not going to be more than 20%. 20% would be very high. Yeah. I agree. All right. So what was, what were the last books that you read <clears throat> in 2020 that you may not necessarily have gotten to tell us about? Yeah. So, and the theme of the last two weeks of December was me trying to finish off my reading challenge. I had like three categories left with two weeks to go. I think I had time travel. I had epistolary novel and I had pick a book, any book, which is the category where you can go in to your bookshelf with your eyes closed and tap on a book. And you have to read that book. No do overs. You can't like, like, "Eh, I'm not crazy about that book. The point is to like force you to just pick at random. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all three of those ended up being um, b- books I really liked. So starting with um, starting with time travel, I read Una Out of Order. And I don't think we talked about that at the end of the year on the show. So that's a time travel book about a woman who wakes up every New Year's Day, which happens to be her birthday, in a different year of her life. And she jumps around... You know, the first time it happens, she is 18 years old. And then when she turns 19, she wakes up and she's 51. And it's, uh, I really, really like that book. It's not, um, there, it's not perfect. There's some issues and it, some things don't make sense, but of course it doesn't make sense because it's time travel, which isn't real. And <laughs> you know, you want to be like, well, wait a minute, how did she do that? Or how did this happen? And you try to like figure that out. And you can't do that because of course this is fantasy. It's not going to happen, but I, it was very, parts of it were very poignant and the parts where she, you know, uh, sees her mother at different years and it's all about relationships she was in. I don't know. It was very creative and I had a very hard time putting it down and I really enjoyed it. So that is Una Out of Order by Margarita Montemore. And then the next book I read, which was a complete surprise to me, and this was the epistolary novel, is I read a book called Attachments by Rainbow Rowell. And I have not read any Rainbow Rowell, despite having multiple of her books in the house. And I just absolutely loved this book. And it's about these two friends at work, and it's the year is 1999, and it's, it's turning into 2000. And they email back and forth at work. They work for a uh, newspaper, I think. And um, little do they know, there's a guy whose job is to monitor employee email. And he's there in part to work on like the Y2K transition, but he's also, um, you know, supposed to sort of flag people who are using their work email for inappropriate purposes. And he starts listening to their, reading their correspondence, and he starts to develop feelings for one of the two women. And it, it's, oh, it was so good. I, it's just a sweet story. And 
I just really, really enjoyed it. And I posted about it and everyone's like, oh my God, she's amazing. And now you have to read Eleanor and Park and you have to read Landline and all these other books. So <laughs> I'm excited. I don't know. I mean, I kind of had dismissed her as YA and the attachments is definitely not YA. I mean, the people in the book are in their you know mid twenties and it's not, it, there's nothing about it that would feel YA to me. But I know people have said Eleanor and Park is YA. And I don't know, I guess I sort of thought like, she's like this hip YA author and you know, maybe I was too old for her, but I'm going to read, I'm going to go back and read other stuff because I just really loved it. Well, I think there's YA and then there's also, I think that some YA tends to feel more adult, like maybe depending on what the characters are going, going through, what their maturity level is, because some you can read and there isn't a difference. And I feel like some I read and just emotionally, I'm not in the same place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that this one definitely felt universal. Like I think a lot of people would like it. And then, so for the pick a book, any book, I sent my eight-year-old son, Nate, into the room. <laughs> I have books in multiple places in the house, but there's a lot of books on a shelf in my bedroom. So I said, okay, just go in there. And don't pick anything too too fat. Like I can't be. Able to <laughs> you cheated. <laughs> I just said don't pick like a doorstep book because I it was like I think I had like four days left and I was like just get me something. So he came back with an arc of a good neighborhood. Oh, as Ann Fowler. So I said, oh, I wanted to read that book. So that was a good pick by him. I appreciated that, and it wasn't too long. And I finished that at like six p.m. on New Year's Eve. So it, I managed to squeeze in and finish the every day I write the book reading challenge for last year. Um, that book, I liked it. I didn't love it. It was, it was, I don't know. It felt, it was so, um, you just knew that it was not going to end well. And so you spent just a lot of the book in dread being like, okay, I know this is going to have a bad ending and it's now just a question of how do we get to that bad ending? Right. So have you read it? I did. Okay. What did you think? Same. I liked it. I didn't love it. Uh, I had issues with the ending. Yep. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe we can, we, a little bit later in the show, we will talk about reviving our book club that has gone missing. But uh, I don't know, maybe we can do a mega, sure. a mega club and discuss a good neighborhood, my friend Anna, and what we will uh, shortly announce as our February book club pick. Certainly a lot to talk about with a good neighborhood. Um, yes. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I'll save any commentary on that until we get to the book club. But, so that's how my year finished up. That's good. How did it, so how did it feel with, you had three books that you wanted to finish. And I know sometimes you, you like, you know, you're not really, you're more of a mood reader than a, yeah. Um, did it feel like homework? Uh, it felt like homework a little bit and I was stressed about getting it done. Um, but it, in the end, like they were all good reads. They were all good. So they were all good reads. Good reads. <laughs> um, the, I don't know the epistolary thing. I don't know why I was sort of putting it off and I was like, I attachments came and I'm like, I'm going to like this. I couldn't tell. And then I just, once I started it, I was like, completely sucked in. So okay. no, it weren't it, in retrospect, it was all good. And I think I just was stressed while it was going on. Cause I was like, this is my own challenge. Like, I, <laughs> I you can't not my own finish challenge. it. Yeah. That's embarrassing. So I wanted to set a good example for the people who read my blog. So, um, I'm, I feel good that I 
that I did it, came through. So before we get into how I finished my year, I do want to talk about your 2021 reading challenge. Oh, okay. Sure. So lay it on us. Tell us about it. Well, so it's pretty similar. Um, This is the 2021 Everyday I Write the Book Reading Challenge. And if you hear this and you think you want to join, there's two things you should do. You can go to my blog and find the link. Um, You can also just click on there's a category on the right that says 2021 reading challenge, and it'll take you to the, the main post about it. And you should add also your under categories. Let me just interject this briefly. Sorry. She created a tag for blow dry books. So I did. Excited. You told me so to do excited. that. And I did it. Yay. It's there. Thank you for noticing. Um, yeah. So you can add your, your name to the spreadsheet and you can keep track of the books you've read. And then there's also a Facebook group the EDIWTB reading challenge for 2021. Just You can just search that and just ask to join and I'll approve you. And then um, it's, a, it's a fun place because people talk about what books they're picking for the different categories. So if you're stuck on a category, you can see what other people have done and everyone gives each other encouragement. There's people who've already knocked off like three categories. So um, I definitely recommend joining the Facebook group. And, you know, every time I post something, a review of a book that fits one of the categories, I post it there too. So, um, you know, join the discussion. So yeah, it's, uh, I've kept a few categories that I like. I like pick a book, any book, cause I just think it's fun. I've kept, um, pick a book that's been sitting on your shelf for two plus years. Cause what I want people to do with this is not feel like they have to go out and buy or procure a bunch of books. Like I want people to be able to read their bookshelves. And And also read something that you want to read. You know, there's so many books two plus years ago that each time I do a purge and it's like, no, but I really wanted to read this and I'm going to. So to be able to get, you know, have permission to get one of those books. Yes. You have an excuse to go back and read something that you write that, that passed you by, but that you always wanted to read. And I don't want people to feel obligated. Like I want people to feel a lot of freedom with this. Like it's, it's, you know, that's why I don't go too deep on like a book about well, like a book about space. I know we've talked about that before. Like I try to, cause just, I don't know. I want people, I don't want this to feel like a chore ever. So, okay. Here are the categories. Book with the Unless cover. they wait to the last month and have three books. True. <laughs> yes. And that was just utterly my fault. Um, a book with a red cover, a book that's been on your shelf for two or more years, pick a book, any book. And then I did a genre you don't usually read to so go outside your comfort zone. Um, a book recommended by your best friend, a memoir. Last year was a celebrity celebrity memoir, but this is just any memoir. Um, a nonfiction book on a topic you love, a debut novel, a historical fiction novel, a book slash movie pairing. So read a book and then watch a movie or a TV show that's based on that book. And you can do them in either order. It doesn't have to be a book first. Um, celebrity book club pick. So just go back and find, um, and actually this one I limited to 2021. So it has to be a book that was recommended or that chosen by a celebrity book club this year. And then a book by an author you love. That's an easy one. So just basically a repeat author for you that you like. I just opened the spreadsheet and I see my name here, probably from when I unsuccessfully tried the first year, but I think I might do it this year. Good. I also made cards for, I did index cards for my pop sugar book challenge that I try every year and fail miserably. Mm -hmm. So I have all of these cards with the different 
topics on it that I just, I think I've read a lot through a mystery already. I have to see. And what, what's on the pop sugar? Anything new or exciting? Um, well, they always come, there's always something that's difficult. Like one is a book whose title starts with Q, X, or Z, which a book about a social justice issue, which I guess you could find something fun like that. A lot of them I think are speaking to some of the issues that we have had come up in the past year, you know, things that have been really prominent, you know, a book about social justice, um, Here's a fun one, a book by a blogger, vlogger, YouTube video content creator, or other online personality, oh. a book set somewhere you'd like to visit in 2021. I feel like that's speaking to the fact that a lot of us did not get a chance to travel yep. last year. Um, a book featuring three generations, oh. a magical realism book. Some of them are really good. I have a check mark next to one a book about do-overs or fresh start. So for that, I picked Recursion by Blake Crouch, which was one of the first books that I read this year. And some of them are- um, Just, I don't mean to interject, but um, Modern Mrs. Darcy had a post in the last week or so about books about a fresh start. Mm. And there were a lot of really good ones there. Like I actually bookmarked that link and I wanted to go back in in more detail and add some of those to my TBR. Well, will you add the, that to our show notes? Because I probably sure. want to take a listen. Uh, a book with an oxymoron in the title. I, oh, man. <laughs> just like, what? A book that was published anonymously, which I don't know. I feel like that kind of limits things. I would have to look. They have, they have a Goodreads group where people exchange picks. So I would have to look for that one because the only thing that I can come up with, things that are published anonymously, have been like, political memoirs or satires and yeah a book by a muslim american author Mm -hmm. something broken on the cover you know we love those (laughs) see if we can find a good lollipop lollipop. (laughs) dropped ice cream (laughs) a book set mostly or entirely outdoors like what a genre hybrid i love those so how many books are there easy i think there's 40 regular books and then there's 10 bonus prompts. Oh my god. Okay. So, they always have favorite prompt from a previous challenge, book everyone seems to have read but you. I may only pick 40 of these or I don't know. I'm just going to see how I'm going to do I'm just going to see how many I naturally complete. Okay. Just kind of remind myself what the categories are. A book with fewer than a thousand reviews on Amazon or Goodreads. Like, I feel like I read one of those books last year, but. So yeah, book in a different format that you knew, uh, that you normally read. So like, if you are a big print person like I am, you would have to listen to an audiobook, read an ebook or a graphic novel, book by an indigenous author, book from a Black Lives Matter reading list. So yeah, these, they definitely look to our times to come up with their categories. Yeah. So we'll link to that. I won't bore you with everything. A book that discusses body positivity. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. There's a lot of specific stuff in there. Oh, yeah, those really good categories. I, they're not they bad. are, but yeah, I feel like, I mean, yeah, I don't feel like there's anything naturally on my reading list that discusses body positivity. Oh, you could, you could read one to watch. Oh, this is this is one that you would like. A book with the same title as a song. 
Ooh, I like that. Yeah, that's with a black and white cover, set in a restaurant, locked room mystery. I love that. Oh so my God. Those are naturally specific. read that. I, spe- book- I, I deliberately did not look at this list when I was making my own because I just, uh, I didn't want to like be influenced by anyone else. I just. Right. Here's definitely a 2021, a book you have seen on someone's bookshelf in real life or on a Zoom call or in a TV show. <laughs> I'm going to call you for this one. It's like, can I? Yeah, I'll take some pictures of my bookshelves. Right. Yeah. A book about forgetting, a bestseller from the 1990s, which that could go either way. Yeah. (laughs) Book with a family tree. So yeah, there's some good ones. You know, I don't think that the prompts are ever bad, but it's just in terms of getting it and, you know, being in that mood and getting it into 365 days. So I had said I wasn't going to mention that I was doing it at all because I never finished, but whatever. I've told you. Yeah. Well, I think that's exciting. I, I will be following your progress on this one a lot. That's great. <laughs> Keep us posted. Like as you read once for that challenge, make sure we, that you mention them on the show because I'm just curious. Yes. I will highlight that. Come on with excitement that I have finished yeah. <laughs> a pop sugar challenge book. Yes. But so the end of my year, I just looked up on Goodreads. It seems like I had I had... an ambitious goal that I was not going to meet in the pandemic. And I brought it down to 45 books and it's saying I didn't finish it, which I don't think that's true. I think there's probably something I didn't list, but I did lean a lot towards Netflixing and chilling. So I watched The Princess Switch on Netflix with Vanessa Hudgens, which I really liked. Um, If you want stuff that's based on a book, I watched... The Invisible Man, which is um, by H.G. Wells, I want to say. It's a classic, so it doesn't immediately pop to my mind. But the change from that book to the movie, I think, is that in the classic Invisible Man, you know, the scientist or he discovers how to create invisibility and he does not use it to good end. So in the book, in the movie, it's much more specific, like, he fakes his own death and uses his invisibility invisibility shield to just terrorize his former girlfriend, someone who has had the nerve to sneak away from him because he was abusive. And it's all about him going after her when he's supposed to be dead and how she figures out it's him and attempts to bring him to justice. Uh, So that was a little bit of a thriller. Okay. Uh, I watched Bridgerton. Oh, I've been meaning to ask you because it's got, <laughs> I haven't seen it yet and it's gotten so many amazing reviews and I kept wondering if you were watching it. Yes, I did. I think I watched it Christmas. I'm pretty sure I summoned the family together and it's like, this is, this is what's happened. This is what I'm doing. So, <laughs> And did it, did it meet your expectations? I don't know. It did and it didn't. It was one of those things that we watched the we watched the entire thing. I think it was like eight episodes and we started at noon and I was just like, Well, this is this is what I'm doing today. So we all sat and watched it and it definitely holds your attention. I think just because visually there's so many things you want to check out. The guy who plays the Duke is gorgeous. Okay. So I think that that was a big part of keeping me glued to the couch for that many hours because he is very easy to look at and it's so easy to say, okay, I'm just going to uh, 
watch one more episode. Like I love the costumes. I love some of the storylines. I think overall it's not as memorable as I would like it to be. Okay. And I don't know. I don't know what that is. I mean, we sat there, we binged the whole thing, but then I was thinking about it. And later I was asking my family what they thought. And it was just like, yeah, I don't know. It was weird. It was good enough to keep me there and consuming. And I wanted to see what was going to happen next. But in terms of, I don't know, in terms of having a memorable storyline or being like, oh my God, this is amazing. I don't know that I would say it was that. I mean, I think there's definitely a lot that will keep you entertained, but I don't think there's anything cohesive about it that I, that I would say. Do you think part in of terms that of is that you binged it? Like, does that affect your the way it seeps into your brain? No, I mean, I think that there are some things that it can be too much. I don't know. I wonder because I, on the one hand, I don't think it's memorable. On the other hand, I think that there's certain things that there's so much going on that I would like to see it again, just to see what I noticed the next time around. Mm -hmm. And there's been like lots of critical stuff that comes out, but I would have to think that that has to be a result of multiple viewings. Okay. Because so much happened that, that the things that the critics pick apart, I don't know that I would necessarily notice, but I think it's a good, it's a good investment. You know, it's a good investment of time. I have no regrets. (laughs) Do you think you'll watch it? Yeah, I do. I mean, it, Talk about amazing reviews. I would love to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to sit and watch the clothing again, I think. Is it only um, those eight episodes? So it's just an eight-hour commitment? Yes, okay. I think so. And Netflix, right? Eight or 10. Netflix. I think it was only eight, though. Yeah. And okay. who knows when we'll get another season. I was just reading uh, the author, not the author, the actress who plays the lead in this one was just talking about, you know, what an intimate show it was. And she was not sure how they would be able to film it with uh, current COVID restrictions. Yeah. Um, Well, that's good. Okay. I was so curious to know if you did it. Pretty Tiny Things, which is based on a YA novel. And that was good. I I enjoyed that. Ballet. Oh, Okay. But you can't watch it with your family because it's it's there's like sex all over the place. Okay. So unless you want to watch that with your teenagers, <laughs> uh, it's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched the uh, Bachelorette, the Tasha, uh, the Tasha season. Well, it started out with Claire and it turned into Tasha. I actually thought it was the best season of the Bachelorette I'd ever seen. I thought she was really? great. Yeah. I really liked her. She was smart and uh, down to earth. And the guys that were there for the most part seemed to have a brain. And I liked the guy that she picked for her, you know, fiance. I, it was, yeah, it was a really good season. I like it. Maybe I'll check that out. You know, I, the only season of The Bachelorette I watched was with Rachel. Yeah. Uh, she was the first black bachelorette. I can't get invested in the bachelorette or the bachelor because I just feel like, I mean, it's it's just so white and you know who's going to be chosen. It's just like, well, I was curious to see how they handle their season. And I know that they are, you know, there's a push for more diversity in, in casting choices and even probably even how they weight the girls and how they get ahead. Well, it's interesting. So Tasha is black and she, her 
she inherited the same guys from um, Claire. So they started with- Well, how did they make that switch? Okay, so they had this woman, Claire, who has been like a bachelorette veteran. She was on other episodes. She was on the Juan Pablo year. And then I think she's done like Bachelor in Paradise or whatever. So she came on and they picked her group of guys. And I think- she only made it two weeks before she basically decided she had found her dude. She knew who he was. She wanted to marry him. And she didn't want to mess around. And she's, yeah, she's like, and you know, they had to quarantine and this was all filmed post COVID. So they, all these guys had to quarantine. Everyone got tested. They did not leave this resort that they were in, in Palm Springs. And, you know, it was obviously like a big ask to these people to, like come and I think she just was like this is you know I know who I want and this is not fair to like bring all these guys and go through this charade so so they brought in Tasha as her and I think Tasha was actually a finalist another season I don't know I, I I missed a season or two so I think she actually had been on or maybe I just didn't remember her but so she came on as the new bachelorette and they added maybe four guys but basically they had the same guys for Claire stay on for Tasha. Did they get a choice in whether they stayed on? No. For her? No. I mean, they could have left. They could have been like, uh, you know, I don't feel any connection to her and I'm going to leave. And I think maybe one or two guys ended up leaving. There were a couple of guys who were actually pretty into Claire. And I think that they felt like they couldn't sort of emotionally switch that fast. They just felt like it was, they're like, I I don't think I can do this. So, So like maybe one or two guys left, but, um, but that was interesting to me because obviously the racial breakdown of the guys was going to be the same. And they added a few guys, and I don't remember if they were white or black. And um, Tasha was such a step up from Claire in every way. Like she <laughs> was such an improvement that I bet a lot of the guys were like, oh, great. Like she's <laughs> smarter and just classier and funnier and better in every way than Claire was. So, uh, she ended up with four guys at the end, one of whom was black, three were white, and the guy she chose at the end was white. Um, and But what I liked was that like they actually had real conversations. They talked about like Black Lives Matter, and they talked about, I guess Tisha is maybe, has a, I think her mom is, her mom is Filipino. No, maybe her mom is white and her dad is black. And then there was, um, at least one of the guys whose parents came to the show, like he, I think maybe his mom was white and his dad was black, but they talked a lot about race and it was, it just felt like they were having much more substantive conversations than usually happen on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and now the bachelor is black. So um, he has a much more diverse group of women on than usual. And I'm only maybe two episodes in. In fact, I don't think we've gotten to the second row ceremony yet. So I'm not, but he's in control. Like he gets to decide who stays and who goes. So you might find it more interesting because it's not manipulated by, other than the casting, it's not manipulated by the show. And he, you know, he's picking who sticks around. Um, And I like him. He's, he's, he's pretty good too. And they've also had some good conversations already about race. So I feel like the show's like finally, at least, at least they're acknowledging it in a way they haven't done in the past. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. I've seen commercials for the current Bachelor. Yeah, I think his name is Matt. I think 
can't remember his name. But maybe I'll go back and watch the Tasha season. Yeah, I liked her a lot. I really did. So that was worth it. Um, all right. All right. So did we get to your year-end reading? Did we cover that? So we didn't. Um, so I read a book that you had read, My Friend Anna by Rachel Deloche Williams. I won't say too much about it because I, I, I thought it was interesting. I think it would be interesting to talk about it more in depth when we do the Mega Book Club. Okay. Uh, but I read that one. I finished Lakewood with by Megan Giddings. That was a book that I had started in the beginning, not in the beginning of the year, maybe I want to say in May or June. That was I had kind of started reading it and put it off because it was a little bit heavy. Um, and the beginning of the year I read, or my first book of the year was Recursion by Blake Crouch. So I was talking to one of my friends and it was interesting. She's like, oh, you're into the science fiction books right now. And so I don't know if it was coincidence or just what led me to reading these two back to back, but Lakewood is about a young woman. It follows the story of a young woman called Lena Johnson and her mom has just, her mom has like this mysterious illness, like it causes seizures, some kind of memory loss sometimes, you know, she's not quite sure of her surroundings or where she is. Um, but her grandmother dies. So she's left to shoulder this burden of her mom plus family debt. And she's really concerned about paying her medical bills. And she gets this mysterious letter from a place like she's desperate at this point. I think she's finishing out her first year in college and she's been looking for all of these jobs, which are terrible. Like one, I think, I don't know, it was some fast food joint that may or may not have required her to be their mascot. So she gets this letter. Uh, it's supposed to be a study that's about mind, memory, personality, and perception is the quote about this research study. It's called the Lakewood Project. So she goes on the preliminary interviews, you know, and it seems a little weird, but it seems like, you know, she cannot turn down the money. She'll have medical insurance for her mom. She'll be able to save enough that it will be easy for her to take care of her college expenses. Like she will have to move away. So she's going to have housing while they, um, while she stays at the facility and they give her a cover story. Like, so a lot of the book, it's, very interesting in its narrative structure because the first part is third person. And so you basically see what it is like to experience just the facility and adjusting to how they do things in terms of like, they give her a cover story of the work that she's supposedly doing. And she gets these little scripts that say, oh, you know, you asked your supervisor to give you this, or you asked for a day off. And she's not allowed to contact her family, but she's told that they will you know, they will be texting her mom and I guess maybe some of her friends. The second part is told in the first person and it's kind of as she is becoming more and more desperate to figure out exactly what is going on in these studies. She is writing these letters to her best friend where, you know, she is, she's talking about the things that are really going on with her. I thought that was a really interesting change because it's like in the beginning, you're sort of lulled into this is the standard. This is how it is. And then the second part when she's kind of under duress is so much more personal. So Lena is black 
this is a lot about, you know, medical experimentation. It draws a lot on real things that have happened to Black people. And in the recent, in the recent past, I would say, like there's, there's been medical studies and just medical things that have not been right. So it was an interesting book, I think, to read in the backdrop of like this virus that's going on and, you know, a vaccine being developed that has been developed in record time. Uh, definitely interesting to read this at this point. I would say that if you're anyone who is uh, is married to having concreteness and concrete answers, then this might not be the book for you, but I really liked it. And then Recursion by Blake Crouch is kind of uh, science fiction too, or science related in a sense. So I remember when I first heard about Blake Crouch because I think I've watched the series Good Behavior. It was right around the time that it had the accident. So it's kind of like seared in my brain as something that I was really focused on at the time. So he wrote Good Behavior, which is based, it was a series with uh, the woman who played Mary on Down- Downton Abbey. Like her name escapes me right now. But so he had written a series of novellas um, that they turned that into. I think it was a show on TNT. And so that was what put him on my radar. So I read the the series of novellas. I would say that he is a very cinematic writer. So some he writes that you can really see that something would be like a show. But it's also sparse in detail because I feel like there are certain things that he indicates. So sometimes his writing can be a little like a screenplay. And I think I felt the same way about Dark Matter. That was his other book that I wrote. And all of his books kind of deal with the perception of time and things going on around time. And I've had this book, Recursion, on my shelf for a while because when I was a Book of the Month member, it was their pick for June 2019. I think I got it as one of my extras later on. But I really, I really like this one. It turned out to be kind of poignant and sweet. He is an author on Goodreads who has contributed to like, he will write notes, like annotate his books, which I think is so cool that they allow authors to do that. So when the paperback version of Dark Matter came out, he went back and did, he annotated like, I guess the top highlights, you know, on people's e-readers. I guess he took the top 10 of all of those passages and he wrote annotations about it. And he wrote annotations for this new book. And he talks about how, you know, it was written at, at a difficult time in his life. And like he used it, I guess, as his catharsis. And he talks a lot about certain aspects of characters that he, that were from himself, uh, from his experiences. And so I thought that was really interesting because a lot of times, you know, with authors, you kind of wonder, is this based on something they go on, that has gone on in their life? And I feel like you never really know for sure. It could be anything, like sometimes it's a little thing, sometimes it's a big thing. But he talks about specific things in this book that were personal to him. So anyway, the book is about this detective, uh, Barry Sutton. He is called to this high-rise building where this woman is about to jump to her death. And he's trying to talk her down. And in the series, you know, in the in their conversation, he discovers that she has something that's called false memory syndrome. 
And it's this really new and weird experience where people are all of a sudden having these very vivid memories of lives that they have not been living. Like they have kids that may have died in this other life that they really miss. They have, they can remember distinct details of their lives and their husbands. And so it's so traumatizing that some part of the population who experiences this commit suicide. So he's not able to save this woman, but that's how we discover that this is kind of a new thing that is appearing and impacting the population. And he has a couple of hunches. It launches him into trying to get to the bottom of this and where this is coming from. Like he is lonely. So he has some time on his hands. Like he, you know, his wife and him have grown apart after their daughter died. So they ended up getting divorced. And so this just, I don't know, it just sets off something in his head that he decides to investigate. And he teams up with this scientist who may have had some part in developing this or who knows what's going on. And they try to get to the bottom of this because it's becoming an increasing problem that's affecting more and more people. Hmm. So I really recommend that one. Okay. And I felt like with this one, unlike his others that have been had more aspects of a screenplay, that this there was like more a little bit more narrative there, which of course I enjoy. So I really like that. So these were two good books, I think, to end and start the year on. I think recursion is definitely able to come to a more hopeful resolution, uh, but. Lakewood is just kind of intriguing because I think that also in addition to the virus and medical experimentation, it just speaks to, you know, people having to make hard choices to, to afford things that are just basics. You know, this young woman is kind of this poignant story because she discovers a lot about this experiment, the experiments that they're doing at Lakewood, like they're not exactly what she was led to believe. But she's also so torn in terms of being able to pay her bills and to help her mom out that it's a lot about, you know, how much you're willing to sacrifice for your family. Those are two books I've definitely seen around, certainly Recursion. So I'm I'm happy to learn more about them. Yeah, Recursion, there was a lot of hype around it. And I was hesitant to read it just because while I liked the subject matter of Dark Matter, I was not. Uh, thrilled with the writing, but I just felt like the right, you know, he's just really upped his game. And so it was also fascinating to read his thoughts about where he was and, and how it influenced the development of this book. Okay. All right. So now we're going to turn to the future. Yes. Uh, what do you think you're reading? What are your reading resolutions for this year? What are your plans? Uh, so my plans, I'd like to get to 70 if I can, that's, that would be a stretch for me. Nice. Yeah. Something to shoot for. Um, I've got my reading challenge. Um, I don't know. Other than that, I don't have any really specific plans. I want to increase, um, the BIPOC percentage. That was something I mentioned earlier. And I also want to, I'm, this is what I say every year is just, (laughs) <laughs> read, read really great reading. books. Yes. Read really great books for the sake of just because that's what I want to read. Um, I'm starting out the year with the desire to get rid of 
some library books that have been in my house for quite a while. Because now that there's no real, there's due dates, but there's no fines and the library is so limited. Um, I've accumulated some books I've picked up from holds. And even there's even a book or two in the house that I think I checked out in March um, that I actually think I've gotten rid of all of those. But so my very short-term resolution is to clear through some library books. Um, but no, I just feel like that my shelves are just bursting with a bunch of books that I really want to read. So my goal is to just kind of get to those and, and not, you know, not try not to read too much out of obligation and just, you know, mood read without con without guilt. That's what it is. Mood, mood reading without guilt. Um, that is my goal. And I did just finish, um, one of those library books and it was okay. It wasn't great. It was called the one by John Mars. Have you heard of that? He, I don't know. People have been like, Oh, you can't put this book down. It's amazing. It's about the premise is really cool. It's this, uh, app that you can sign up for where it will, you send them your DNA and it tells you if you have, who your soulmate is. That everybody's got a soulmate out there that can be identified through DNA testing. And if you enroll and you send them your information, you can decide to find out who your soulmate is. Now, of course, your soulmate may be married. Your soulmate may live across the country, across the world. Your soulmate may be of a gender that you don't think that you are attracted to. Your soulmate may be dead as long as they at some point signed up for the service. So there are five people, five storylines that the book follows of people who have found their soulmate through this service and what it did when they met and how it affected their lives, which I think is a really cool premise. There's actually a TV show called The One on, I think it's on AMC. and I can't tell whether the show is related to the book or not. I mean, it has really the same premise and each episode deals with like a different pair, but I, I can't tell whether like the book, did he have some say in the show? Was it adapted from the book? Was it coincidental? I, I, I haven't, I've seen conflicting reports on that online. Um, I thought the book was just okay. Like it's, it was, it was a page turner, but like it wasn't, you know, the characters were kind of flat and not very deep. And I just felt like, you know, I didn't, I didn't really care too much about any of them, but I was just more intrigued by the premise of it and the scenarios that the author conjured up. I think he threw in like one too many twists and surprises that made it just more, it edged it way more into like, kind of like, not thriller, but more like suspense type story than it was like an actual like novel fiction novel, but the good news is it's finished and I can return it to the library. <laughs> and so um, what have you finished this year? You finished that book. I finished that book. I finished good morning monster, which is the memoir by Catherine Gildner about five um, of her most memorable patients. She's a psychotherapist. And she looks back over her career and wrote about five patients that she treated who were kind of the most damaged by really, really difficult, abusive childhoods and how they overcame them. And she talks through her strategy for therapy and 
you know, what it was like over the years that she worked with them and then what happened to them at the end. Like, how did they take what they, the progress they made in therapy and how did they change their lives? Um, it was great. I, I liked that one a lot. I did it on audio and I really recommend that. I feel like mem- uh, therapy memoirs are really hot right now. Like maybe you should talk to one, someone by Lori Gottlieb and group by Christy Tate. There's just, these books are getting a lot of attention, which um, is not that surprising given, you know, that we're all kind of in a state where we could use some, some therapy and anxiety and all this stuff going on. Um, but it, it was really good. I liked it a lot. Do you think that you're going to, you said you want to read a lot of what you have in your library books. Do you think that you will read less, fewer 2021 releases, new releases? I don't know. That's kind of my goal is to stop chasing the, the yes. hot new things. Like it, it's really hard when you spend a lot of time on bookstagram because you just, it's constant FOMO and it's like, oh my God, this book is out. This book is amazing. Everyone loves it. I got to read it. Everyone's posting about it. I, there's that cover again. It's really easy to get caught up in that. And then you want to like get your hands on that book however you can, whether you buy it or you'll swap for it or you'll get an arc or you'll somehow get on the library list. And I find myself on that hamster wheel a lot. And I'm just really like, you know, like frantic about getting these books. And I just, I'm just saying to myself, like, slow down. Like they're, they're not going anywhere. Like you don't have Could to. Could you limit yourself to like one of those books to make it special? There will be one that you get your hands on each month by swap, mm-hmm. by buying, no. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> idea. Yeah, just say like, give into it, like indulge that a little bit. And then, right. yeah. You have one, good, you have one, one you know, and of course- that. You're going to have to tell us about the one. <laughs> the one. That's not <laughs> we'll the call one. It the one. Yeah. That kind of dovetails a little bit with my plans just because I was, I don't know. I think I spent most of 2020 in a reading slump. Like I would get into a habit. I would read a couple of books. I would think I was back and then just not read anything for weeks. So as a result, I probably have 60 books that I bought in 2020 that I have not read that are on my. TBR shelf next to my bed. And I would really like to get to some of these books because they were just, I mean, I feel like I picked books that I would not want to let go of. So that is one of my goals to, like you said, not chase them down. You know, of course we will um, tell you about the books in 2021 that we're most interested in, but, you know, it may be just a note that I'm interested in it. And I do plan to limit myself to buying or acquiring book, you know, one book. I can, I can do one book a month, but you know, I can't do six. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think that's smart. So you, so you let yourself do it a little bit because you know, you're going to, but just not let it rule your life. Yeah. It's going to happen. But if there's like one thing or if there's a few things then I'll just have to roll that over to next month and see what it's competing with because yeah, because there's so many awesome books that I have, haven't gotten a chance to read at all. So that is going to be my focus. Like I'm going to passively low-key do this Pop Sugar reading challenge. I'm going to make the best attempt to do your challenge because it's only 12 books. And, you know, I think that we have things that we, changes that we're looking forward to with the show. Um, I guess before we get to that, we have a giveaway to talk yes. about. Yes. Um, 
Okay, so the giveaway is for Libro FM. So for those of you who don't know what Libro FM is, it is a uh, place where you can buy audiobooks and download them. Um, they have a huge library of over 150,000 li- uh, uh, audiobooks. And the great thing about Libro FM is it's got a similar business model to bookshelf.org, or sorry, bookshop.org, where they are giving a portion of their sales to support independent bookstores. So at the same time that you're buying audiobooks, you are also helping keep the book business alive during this pandemic and supporting them. So you're not going to pay more for the books than you would from Amazon, but you will be um, supporting a good cause at the same time. So we are working with Libro FM and we have two things to let you know about. The first is that if you decide to sign up for a membership to Libro FM, for the first month, you're going to get two books for the price of one. So for $14.99, um, and I don't know if that $14.99 is every book, but for, let's say you picked a book for $14.99, you could get a second book for free. So, I think they're all $14.99. Oh, so all the books are. Okay. Yeah. That's so, their standard monthly membership. You know, you like get a credit. Got it. Okay. So, which is actually for an audiobook, a pretty good deal. Because um, sometimes they're, they can be more expensive than that. So. Um, if you sign up for Libro FM and you want to take advantage of this great offer, you can use the code Readerly. So R E A D E R L Y, same name as our first word in our show, and um, use that to get your free book. And then also, we are giving away a three month um, gift membership to Libro FM. Um, for one of our listeners. So if you would like to enter to win three free months, then just go to our blog, thereaderlyreport.com and find the link to this episode today and leave us a comment with what you're listening to in the new year. What was the first audiobook that you listened to in January, 2021? And it can be a hangover book from, from uh, December. That's fine. Or what you plan to read or what you plan to listen to. Right. So if you got, I actually got from them The Wife Upstairs by Rachel Dawkins. Oh, nice. So I'm listening to that now. So, Um, yeah. So just tell us what your first listen is. Yep. Tell us what your first lesson is and do that um, before, uh, let's see, this episode is going to air January 23rd. Okay. So maybe do that before. the end of January. So until January 31st, leave us a comment about your first listen of the year. So we're excited to work with Libro FM and we thank them for giving us this opportunity to do the giveaway and for the coupon. I would say too about Libro FM because I had a membership before they reached out to us and then I had to put it on pause because I just am not listening. Um, but you can actually choose which bookstore that you want to support. Like my, all um, the purchases that I make, I actually still have two credits I have to use. Go to support uh, whatever bookstore, independent bookstore that you choose. Um, it is not, I think that you can set it to be specific. I think you can go on and and you can always change it, but but you do get to designate, like say if you have a bookstore, they're signed up for it, then each time that you make, you know, your, you get your credit and you make that purchase, the proceeds go to your designated bookstore. Nice. 
Okay. So, so far, I like um, the the wife upstairs. I don't know if I would like it if I read it, and I'm only halfway through. It is a re- it's a Jane Eyre modernization and retelling. I think it's kind of cute that instead of working with children, she works with dogs. Because <laughs> I guess dogs are some people's kids. Sweet. Um, I have a suggestion for the audiobook that you could get with your free credit. Because I'm listening to it now and it's excellent, which is um, Colin Jost's memoir, A Very Punchable Face. Colin Jost mm. is the co-host of Weekend Update on SNL. And he narrates the memoir. And I, you know, you and I have talked about this before. We don't like funny books or books that other people say are hilarious because usually we don't right. find them funny. This book is laugh out loud funny. Like I, I will be driving and listening and I'm like in my car laughing out loud because it's so funny. It's a great antidote for what's going on in the world right now. <laughs> like I was listening to it last week while the city was under siege. I don't remember, you know, like maybe it was like the next day or something. And I just was like, this is such a welcome break because he's extremely entertaining. He's a comedy writer and he just, it's funny. So I highly recommend it. Okay. I wrote that down. Something that you think, I think I take, I trust your laugh out loud recommendation a little bit more than the average person. Okay. Thank you. I feel honored. It's yeah, it's it's highly worth it. And All right. it has a red cover. I will note that. So that oh, may oh. satisfy my red cover category. Nice. Yep. Oh, that's always sweet when you get a twofer. Yeah. Uh okay. So will you let everyone know what our book club pick for February is going to be? Sure. So in February, Nicole and I are going to be discussing his Only Wife by Peace Midi, and that's spelled M-E-D-I-E. Um, this book came out in the fall, I believe, and um, I read it and reviewed it back then. I think I was on a book tour, a blog tour for it. And um, Nicole is going to read it, and we are going to talk about it in February. And so, And that show is going to air February 23rd, so you can prepare yourself to listen to it yep or to um to to be able to listen to the discussion so we are going to have we we're changing the format of the show a little gail and i are going to do we're switching to a twice a month we're going to post new episodes so because we're going to be a little bit more limited in the past we're not going to do one every month but we will do one every other month So we are going to take a look in at what we have either read in common or what we're really looking forward to read that, you know, will satisfy both of our interests. And then we will post the list in advance so that if you're interested in listening to the full discussion, then you'll know what it is that we're reading and there won't be any surprises. And I think for the next one, because there are a couple of other books that Gail and I have read in common that we're going to discuss, we will probably throw those in it in as well. Yes, for sure. Uh, okay. I think we covered pretty much what we wanted to cover. 
right? We talked about I think so. last year. We talked about our reading this year challenges, <laughs> our resolutions. We talked about our giveaway, our book club. Yeah, we're really looking forward to the show this year. We have some exciting changes coming, and um, our goal is to be uh, a little more predictable and a little bit more. Um, deliberate and and what we how we schedule the shows and what we cover and we're really excited about it so stay tuned for more things coming and on that note on that note oh wait one last thing um if you enjoy the show please 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 leave us a review go to apple Podcasts or whatever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating leave us a review let the world know about us so that other readers can find out about the show and on that note, <laughs> on that note, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at nicolebonia.com and me, Gail, at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks. Thanks.